welcome to episode 79 of Closer Mentality. I'm your host, Julia Mellett. Today's episode brings on Sports Illustrated copy chief, Julie Kliegman. Kliegman's in the process of writing a novel called Mind Game, set to publish in 2024. Mind Game is all about the impact of mental health on athlete help-seeking behaviors. Today, she talked about the impact of mental health on the way that large media outlets craft their stories. When she was hired by SI in 2020, her first articles suddenly became inundated with athletes sharing how COVID and a live sports void had impacted their livelihoods. I ended up publishing an article about the mental health impact on athletes of the pandemic. So we had published something about like the physical impact on athletes' bodies. And I was like, well, I wonder how their mental health is being affected. And that kind of led me to Simone Biles, who graciously agreed to do a quick interview and uh, some other athletes uh, who were great. And um, so that's how, well, I was pretty much obsessed with mental health and sports before that. But that was the start of my time at SI being really interested in that. And um, yeah, the pandemic just was sort of a vehicle to think more creatively about coverage. When I approach an article for SI, even if it's not about mental health per se, I still keep the mental health aspect in mind. Like I read a lot about transgender athletes and there are obviously mental health concerns there when they're being attacked by state legislatures and everything like that. So. I think more and more my colleagues and I at SI are realizing that mental health can be a part of every story. It doesn't have to be a story, quote unquote, about mental health. Kliegman realized after sitting down with Simone Biles that the narrative surrounding the gymnast was almost exclusive to her dealings with mental health. As much as Kliegman wanted her piece to reflect the dialogue that Biles was hoping to share, the story had far more layers. I think sometimes the way we get trapped into talking about someone like Simone Biles is like, oh, she's a mental health advocate. I'm like, well, yes, but she's also so much more. Like, this is just part of her story. It's not the story. So, yeah, it's about balancing these different things that all come together to make an elite athlete and, like you said, a a person. Kliegman also sat down with Michaela Maroney, Biles' Team USA teammate, and quickly realized the effort that it takes to voice shared trauma. I, I, you know, I'm not even going to try to like speculate as to what was going through their head, but I know when I talked to Michaela, she was very ready to talk. She had been open about it for longer than Simone had, for example. And I think for her, it just became part of her story and part of her mental health journey. Um, but Simone, it was a little different. I remember that her people didn't want me asking about Larry Nassar. And you have to respect that. Um, even though she's been public about it, doesn't mean she's ready to be public about it every second of every day. Um, so I think it's one of those things that, you know, every athlete is processing in a, in, in a different way, yet they also have this bond of, you know, shared trauma. When Kliegman helps share the story of a struggling athlete, she said it's best to eliminate preconceived notions. This better allows the athlete to voice their journey in their own words. The story then feels more organic, and the ensuing dialogue grows its own legs. I like to let them tell as much as possible, but then kind of like rely on myself to contextualize it, to put it in conversation with other people's experiences. And 
other resources. Um, so I, yeah, I think you have to rely on them as much as possible, not necessarily in direct quotes, but just relaying their feelings and their experiences through both direct and indirect quotes. And then, yeah, like I said, just contextualizing it, putting it in the bigger picture, telling people not what to think about it, but what they might want to think about it. I think it's like starting a conversation with your friend, being like, hey, did you see so-and-so did this? Like, what do you think about that? I think it's that simple, right? Like, it's continuing to watch their events. It's like buying their jersey, you know? Um, or better than buying their jersey is buying like, I don't know, something like a breaking tea where like they get some of the money from, you know, the players union and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, I think it's just continuing to support them the same way you have and trying to take their stories into your everyday life. Not every athlete is ready to be vulnerable and that's all right. Klegman says the best way a journalist can approach an interview with a more reserved athlete is to take a step back and meet them where they are. I think it's interesting because some of them are hesitant. Some of them are like very, very upfront um, and anywhere in between. And some of them may even have regrets about what they tell you. And I think that's hard. And I think I think you have to grapple with like, is there anything in that conversation I could have done better? Was that person just not ready or, and, and you know, and then they see what you wrote online and it, it's not like you're writing something to please them because that's not how journalism works. But on a certain level, you want them to feel like you represented them well. It, and, you know, and if it's a story about that includes their faults, like then that counts too. But you want to feel like you represented them fairly and accurately regardless of like what their vocabulary might be or what their experience with professionals might be, they're all the experts in telling their own story. So I think that's kind of the important thing to come back to is that they all have this experience with themselves that like you or I can't understand or speak for them or replicate. A perfect example of a similar situation was an interview done recently with former Vanderbilt women's soccer player, Sarah Fuller. After the buzz of her football kicking career died down, Fuller found herself alone, battling bouts of depression and anxiety. Even though she had been vocal about her mental health to outlets in the past, it was an interview with Kliegman that allowed Fuller the blank slate she wanted to rewrite her story. She had done this before. She knew she wasn't going to share anything that she wasn't comfortable sharing. Um, but she also knew what she was comfortable sharing. And that was, as you can see, a lot. Um, and uh, I sort of fell into that story because I was writing an essay for the magazine about mental toughness and how we kind of see that trope play out with like TV commentators and pundits and everything like that. And I had seen her tweet about like, uh, it was something about how, you know, mental toughness is something we need to kind of like do away with for lack of a better explanation here. And um, so I wanted to interview her for that piece. And then she kind of started going into that whole story about how she needed to step away from soccer, how the last couple of years had been. Um, and so, yeah, that's, I just kind of approached that story with an open mind because I hadn't heard much about Sarah Fuller since her bandy kicking days either. And I, I don't think a lot of people had. So I just approached it with a lot of curiosity and empathy. I, I struggled a little bit with the Sarah Fuller story because I'm like, of course this is newsworthy that this like, you know, historically important player 
you know, has feelings like this and had to step away after being in the spotlight for like a hot second, right? Um, but I also kind of struggled with like, is this story saying something new? Like how much value is there in just like repeating a story of depression and suicidal thoughts? Not that hers wasn't unique because everyone's is unique, but was my story advancing the conversation? And I still don't know if I know the answer to that. Like I try to write something that like advances the conversation that thinks of something new. Um, instead of just being like, this person was struggling, isn't that sad? Fuller spoke of mental toughness as a roadblock to her wellness. When Kliegman asked the mental toughness expert for his take on such emotional roadblocks, that individual had a very different interpretation that he shared. I would say that the way it's meant to be defined, at least based on the mental toughness expert that I talked to, who does research on this all the time, I think mean, he was saying it's a really important skill. It's about, um, kind of getting, you know, athletes on this elite level uh, inherently kind of have this skill and it's about building up and cultivating it and um, to, to reach those big goals. Like how do you get from point A to point B? And so I think as a tenant of positive psychology, um, it's actually working as it should be. It's just that everyone else doesn't understand the meaning of it. And they twist it back on athletes to say like, oh, you're not mentally tough enough. And that's never what the word was intended to do. Grit, which is a more like day-to-day -day quality is definitely a part of mental toughness. I think empathy and emotional intelligence is a part of mental toughness. Um, what else? I mean, like just the ability to kind of, um, process your own emotions and um, physical pain as well and just kind of um, relay that into your performance just like channel that I guess I'm saying into your performance I, I think those are some of the most important components and I think often like emotional intelligence and stuff gets left out of that conversation. Kliegman also had a few stories of athletes who shared pressures from their coaches to suppress mental health issues for the sake of playing time or team culture discrepancies. Coaches are maybe behind the curve a little bit when it comes to helping athletes with their mental health and supporting them rather than like perpetuating a stigma. That's not to say all coaches are behind the curve, but I think a lot of them still are. It's hard because a coach might think that they're kind of neutral about these issues, but it's not really an issue you can be neutral on. You're either helping or you're hurting. And I think you have to be like really, really open with your players and really, really clear that mental health will not affect playing time or starting or anything like that. And, you know, that it's something to be worked on together as a team and, you know, supported that way. I think I would say a lot of it does come back to that like threat of playing time. A lot of it comes back to just privacy concerns and um, not wanting their team to necessarily know everything about them, even when their team is entitled to a great deal of medical information about them. I think that can be kind of scary. Um, this There's this idea that like, oh, these teams have mental health resources on staff. And I think that's a really good thing. But a lot of people still want to go outside those resources to, you know, their own private professionals. And yeah, I think that aspect of it might hold some people back from wanting to talk about it or being able to talk about it freely. Even if pressures to deal with these issues alone don't stem from coaches, Kliegman says that similar damage can come from fans, well-intentioned or otherwise.
Yeah, I mean, that's a shame that some people think that way, that some people think of athletes as like less than human. And I know I'm saying some people, but it really is a lot of people. And that's kind of scary for our society. Um, that's not that's not great news that people think that way. Um, but I think some of those people react that way as a knee-jerk reaction. And they're not really thinking through the implications of what they're saying. And I'm saying this because even some athletes I've talked to, if you take Simone Biles as an example, even some athletes I've talked to, including Sarah Fuller, including um, this former Major League Baseball player, Bill Pulsifer, who played for the Mets and a number of other teams as a pitcher, um, they both recently told me that they originally didn't respect Simone Biles' decision at the Olympics to step away. And then they both kind of interrogated themselves later and were like, oh, wait, that was me being a little unfair. And I understand it now. Like, I understand that she was doing what's best for her team. She was doing what's best for herself, her mind and her body. Um, so I think even like people closer to being in their shoes than like a random person on the Internet, I think even they still have trouble like conceptualizing that someone else might be struggling and they might have trouble interrogating their own knee-jerk reactions, uh, which is easier said than done. Like, I think, I think you have to go into it asking yourself, like, what am I expecting to hear? Why might that be wrong? What do I think the solutions are? What, what, what are the barriers in the way to that? Like, I think there's just a lot of questions you have to ask yourself. Kliegman got to a point in her storytelling when she realized she compiled enough candid, vulnerable stories of athlete mental health to author a book. From that realization, Mind Game was conceptualized. For me, the genesis of it really was that article about the pandemic and how elite athletes were navigating it mental health-wise. Um, just the response to that article was really strong, I thought. And I don't know, I think when you're turning over a certain topic in your mind for years, like as a writer, it might be time to be like, okay, what if this is a book? I mean, to be clear, I don't think the answer is always yes. Like, you know, what if it's just a tweet or a blog post or, um, you know, I don't know, a pamphlet of some sort, like not everything has to be a book. That's not what I'm trying to say. But um, yeah, I, I just, there are so many facets to this and so many people have so many different stories. Obviously we know no two are alike, even in the same sport. Um, like I've talked to Michaela Maroney, for example, another gymnast and, you know, in her way, in a lot of ways, her experiences overlap with Simone in some really important ways, but in a, in a lot of ways, you know, what that, what they were feeling inside was different too. And so I think once you realize that, that everyone has something new and unique to share, you're like, okay, maybe collectively all these stories are a book. So the first third of the book is really about the history of like sports psychology and mental performance and all that and how it's used today. The second third is really about this movement to speak out about mental health from athletes, um, whether on college campuses, whether during the pandemic, whether way before the pandemic. Um, and then the last third is kind of like a grab bag of like, here's some things athletes struggle with. And then the last chapters before the conclusion, at least, is about stepping away from sport, whether it's due to retirement, whether it's due to the pandemic, whether it's due to injury. So I'd like to think that it kind of brings it all together because the end of the career is something that all athletes face at one point <laughs> or another. I think I really struggled with how to conceptualize it structure-wise and how to best lay out a story of this magnitude. Um, 
stories of this magnitude, I should say. And my first few attempts were very bad. And I, I don't know. I don't even know if I'm in love with the way I just li like outlined it to you because it feels sort of random at times, especially the final third is like, why am I focusing on this condition and not this other one? Um, I don't think there's a perfect way to do it. I think you just have to commit more than anything. Through storyboarding the book, Kliegman has taken away the fact that mental health stories are only a portion of an individual athlete's journey. The highs come with lows, but the lows also come with highs. Athletes are predisposed to tackling adversity, whether it be physical or mental. Sharing that journey is where journalists like Kliegman find their impact. Hopefully it'll become like we're talking about near the beginning of this call, like, um, hopefully it'll become more a situation where mental health is just a part of someone's story and not like the, their personal brand. Like hopefully it's just like one aspect of who they are and we're all comfortable with that. Um, is that going to happen in five to 10 years? I don't know. I'm not super optimistic, but I'm also just a pessimist in general. So who knows? If you're struggling to work through your own story, today's sponsor could be the perfect catalyst. Thanks to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. If you've ever listened to a Closer Mentality episode and thought, I feel exactly the same way, I'm working with BetterHelp to bring online therapy to your phone and computer. BetterHelp offers video, phone, and live chat options, and you can speak to a licensed therapist in less than 48 hours. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. BetterHelp has more than 20,000 licensed therapists around the country, and you have access to them at any time. You can get thoughtful messages from your therapist, and if you aren't happy, it's free to change providers. If you're worried about the cost of traditional talk therapy, BetterHelp also plans for that. They offer financial aid if funding is the only thing standing between you and getting the help that you need. Join the over 2 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. I have a special offer for all Closer Mentality listeners. You can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com forward slash closer mentality. That's betterhelp.com forward slash closer mentality. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. The link is also in the show notes. Thank you so much to Julie for sharing her approach to athlete mental health storytelling. Fans, coaches, and athletes alike can all learn from her perspective. I've linked the articles she referenced in the show notes if you'd like to read them. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this form of storytelling on Closer Mentality. If you'd like to share your story on this podcast, send us a direct message on Instagram and Twitter at Closer Mental. I'd love to speak with you. Thanks for listening to episode 79 of Closer Mentality. As always, I'm your host, Julia Mellet. See you next week.